Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Back to the bullshit filter, uh, r- 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 Mr. Pipe Smoking Ray Harris. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Is that a real pipe or a uh, prop pipe? Oh, my God. Light, I can't believe I have to say this. Light something. I don't ever put anything fake in my <laughs> mouth. You know this. You know this. No, it's real. It's legit. Right. Light it up. Let me see. Oh, I don't. I don't. I'm not ready. I'm not prepared. Right. I mean, not anything legally. I don't have anything legal to put in. Yeah, it, but that's what you're asking. Yeah, nothing legal. Yeah, I, I, don't. No. I don't. I don't. I don't have anything. I was sorry. I was just telling Ray off air that I was at a an antique store here um, a week or two ago with Chrissy, and they had a couple of corn cob pipes for sale from the 40s or 50s, and. I really had to stop yeah. myself from buying them. I'm like, yeah, really? Yeah, I really want it, Do but I really, need... you know, yeah. it's just going to join the collection of a knick-knack junk on my desk. Ray and I yeah. just did a knick-knack comparison. Seems like we have the same taste in knick-knack junk. <laughs> Almost to a T. We... <laughs> We're our meant to be. cycles have aligned to be. and everything on our yeah. desk is the same. Yeah. Just... Um, so, listen, this uh, week on The Bullshit Field of Boys and Girls, we're – Going to talk about uh, Afghanistan again, uh, still. Yeah. Um, uh, Picking up where we left off last time, which was the Soviet invasion in 1979. And this is going to be a little bit different from our normal stuff, because normally what I like to do with this show is expose the the, the propaganda, the lies, the myths, the half-truths, the myth-truths. But... With this, we're going to do something more aligned with what we would normally do on the Cold War show, I think. Tell the story about yeah. the first day of the invasion. Because my plan was to really do a high-level overview of, of the 10 years and, and, and see if there are any myths right. or rumours that we needed to dispel. But Lessons I'm, learned. Yeah. But in reading books about this, um, this oh, story of the first amazing. day, I was like, oh, fuck me, we need to tell yeah. this story because it's yeah. just... Too much fun. No. Too too too. Can I, uh, too too good a story. Too good. Now you might not be, uh, you might not feel the same way I do as a non-American, and you can't help that. It's nobody's fault. But when I was reading through this, and I saw, to a degree, in various times and locations, what a clusterfuck the Soviets were going through and trying to invade and hold another country. I gotta say, it made me feel a little bit better. Uh, yeah, we fucked up a couple of times, but we're not the only ones. So <laughs> yeah. made, I, I felt, I felt better. Yeah, yeah it, it was a bit of a, a bit of a fuck up on multiple levels. So in the, yes. in the last episodes, when we were talking about the lead up to the invasion of Afghanistan, which by the way, a lot of people seem to like, um, a lot of people enjoyed those shows. Hence, we thought we'd do some more. Sure, we're horse. Uh, we talked about the the beginnings of the uprising, the the sort of uh, Islamic Mujahideen rebellion against the Afghani government in early 1979. Started with the Herat uprising, the Herat barracks. Mm. This was in March of 1979, and the immediate reaction of the government in Kabul at the time, the Afghani government, was to panic and, and as we talked about last time, ask Moscow to send military forces to help them put the uprising down. Yes. 
And I think we talked about this last time, but the Politburo in Moscow talked about it for four whole whole days, yeah. trying to work Pros out what to cards. do. Yeah, yeah. And in the end, they decided they weren't going to send troops. Right. Um, and I think this is important to understand, and we covered this last time, but the, the, the Soviets really didn't want to invade Afghanistan. Yeah. It, it was not something that they, you know, uh, were excited about. It was not something that they uh, planned to do. They avoided it as long yes. as they thought they possibly could. What they said they would do was supply the Afghan government with additional military and economic aid. Mm-hmm. The Soviet Prime Minister at the time, Alexei Kosygin, um, who was, uh, died in 1980, told the Afghan president at the time, Taraki, Right. If we sent in our troops, the situation in your country would not improve. On the contrary, yeah. it would get worse. Our troops would have to struggle not only with an external aggressor, mm-hmm. but with a part of your own people, and people do not forgive that kind of thing. Yeah. Now, the external aggressor, who do you think he was talking about there, Ray? Is that, are they afraid that the Americans or the Pakistanis are going to come in, or are they, are they talking about the Afghanistans who are not loyal to the Soviet Union. I no, I think it's yeah. I, I think it's probably the Pakistanis. As we know, the Mujahideen went over right. to Pakistan, hundreds of thousands of them, and then they were coming back trained up. I think that's what he's referring mm. to. There were fears <clears throat> that the CIA were yeah. involved behind that, and as we know, they, they kind of were already at that juncture. Working. They were supporting it yeah. in various ways, yeah. yeah, encouraging them, supporting them uh, with right. uh, financing and some weapons. Uh, and people do not forgive that kind of thing. So, that, so there you have the uh, Prime Minister of the Soviet Union at the time very clearly saying to Taraki, look, yeah. if we if we go in there, it's just going to make things worse. The Soviets knew that. They weren't idiots. They weren't stupid. Right. They weren't like and, – and I want to contrast this to when the Americans went in in 2001 – with this bellicose attitude of this is all going to be over in right. 30 days, you know, we're going to mission accomplished. And revenge. Bing, bang, boom. Yes. Yeah, yes. well, yes. Yeah. They thought it was going to be a, a, a an easy-peasy, Japanese kind of deal and there'd be, you know, uh, I'm sure there were some Americans who knew differently, right. uh, but certainly the bellicose attitude of America when you went in in 2001 very confident, very cocky. We're going to go there, kick ass. It'll all be done. You know, if you go back and you look at the statements from Bush, Cheney, and Rumsfeld at the time, uh, and their various generals, Colin Powell mm-hmm. recently departed. Right. Uh, Colin Powell. There was, uh, you know, a very high degree of confidence that this was going to go well for the United States. The Soviets, on the other hand, knew that it would probably end badly if they went in. So it wasn't something they were excited about. But after the murder of Taraki by Amin Mm -hmm. that we covered last time, December 1979, the Russians decided they had to act. Well, let let me ask you something based on what you just said, because it was earlier 1979. Yeah, the Politburo gets together and they're like, okay, Someone just starts shooting out. What's the downside if we invade Afghanistan? And like you said, there was a a pretty impressive list of reasons not to do this. And so they wisely went, you know what? Too many downsides, no upside. It's just a clusterfuck. We're not doing this. Nothing changes for the most part, except for, you know, when Taraki is killed. And so 
besides him dying, all the other reasons not to go in are still there. But they feel at this point they have to go in. The country's falling apart. You don't want a, a country that's in the middle of a civil war right next to you. The Americans might take advantage of that or whatever. So the, the whole thing is bad. It's a horrible situation for the Soviets. I, I don't know. Would you would you agree that in some ways they don't have a choice? They have to go in. Obviously, the Americans did not have to go in after 9-11. We chose to go in the whole narrative, yada, yada, yada. But what about the Soviets? Do you think they were like, this, as bad as this is, the fire that's coming will be even worse if we don't do something about this country's government falling apart? Yeah, well, I think as we explained last time, if you, you look at it through a geopolitical lens in 1979, mm-hmm. They've got uh, on the on the border of the Soviet Union down in that part of the world. They've got um, Iran, right. which has just fallen to the Ayatollah Khomeini, mm-hmm. uh, very anti-Soviet. Right. Uh, I mean, I mean, before that, they had you know the American puppet government exactly. in there, which was also very yes. anti-Soviet. So, situation hasn't <laughs> changed dramatically right. for them in Iran. They've swapped one enemy with another enemy. Right. Um, you know, they've got Pakistan down there, which is in the American camp oh, yes. at this stage. Oh, yes. Um, they've got China on their border down there, which is uh, not really friendly to them at that juncture. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so if they lose Afghanistan, number one, the, you know, the chances are very high that they're going to end up with another enemy, either controlled by the Americans or an American proxy right. like Pakistan there, or you know, another fundamentalist Islamic uh, operation that, you know, hates the Soviets. Right. So, you know, they're facing that sort of a situation. Plus, it's just like you don't want uh, a crazy regime on your border. You know, it's going to leak over right. into your side of the world. Yes. It's, the analogy would be, you know, if Mexico ended up being run by the Taliban. Right. You know, what would America do if the Taliban took over Mexico yeah. or Canada? Step in. I mean, you know, when when, as we said, I think last time, when the Soviets gave Fidel Castro some webs and nuclear missiles mm-hmm. that were sitting off the coast of Florida, America lost its damn mind. So, you know, we this isn't yes. hard, shouldn't be hard for Americans to understand. You right. have uh, an enemy literally on your border uh, being funded or supported directly or indirectly by one of your enemies yeah. in the Cold War. Yeah. Uh, this is a this is a genuine direct immediate threat that needs to be handled by the Soviets. They didn't invade Afghanistan because it was a Tuesday afternoon and they were bored. Right. It was Christmas Day, actually, and they were like, fucking Christmas. I hate Christmas. Anyone got any ideas? Yeah, I've already opened my gifts. Anything else? Seriously, I just want to get out of Christmas. This is me, actually, every year, December 24th. I'm like, is is there any way I can get out of this? Yeah, like anything I can do to get out of tomorrow. I don't want to be part of it. Take this, Cam. And go to Afghanistan. Oh, 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 oh. i got to tell you a story. Yeah. i got to tell you a story. Yes. You know, you know my mother. You've yeah. met my mother. Oh, You've yeah. snuggled, snuggled, spooned my mother on our European tour. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, also that a month from now, roughly, I'm doing a screening of my film in Bundaberg, my nice. hometown, my old hometown, my, where my mother's lived her entire right. 70 fucking four years. <laughs> yeah. Um, so her son... Her only son, right. Not her eldest Jesus. child. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> her eldest child right. 
is is coming to her hometown yeah. to do a screening in the main street of town. This the oldest cinema in town. Right. Doing a Q&A afterwards yeah. with several local clergy. That's bound to be argy-bargy. Local boy. Big deal. Scores big. Yeah. Red carpet. Yeah. You know, yeah. fucking Klieg lights. Um, the whole thing. Pulling up in a limousine. Going to have a fur coat on. Oh, I was going to say shark skin. Uh, shark skin. So that way you can turn and it <laughs> looks like skin. different colors. Go ahead. It's your story. It's your story. Go ahead. I texted her yesterday because uh, I was I was organising some tickets for some people and I didn't know if she'd already got one or not. Tickets only just went on sale. Right. I texted her and said, oh, have you got a ticket for the screening yet? Just want to know because I'm organising tickets. She said, nah, I've already seen it. <laughs> That's not the point. <laughs> now, just in case people are wondering, my feelings not hurt in any way, shape, or form. I just found it hilarious. <laughs> no, no, like it didn't it. even didn't even cross my mind that my mother right. wouldn't be so excited and proud. Now you know that she'd want to go to right. her son's screening of his film that he wrote, directed, hosted, edited, produced. Um, and then the, in the main street of town. Yes. And can't even get my mother to go to my own film is what I'm saying. I'm telling that story. And yeah. I fucking, I said yeah. to Chrissy this morning, that's going on my mother's gravestone <laughs> when she dies. <laughs> Did not even go to her yeah. own son's fucking film premiere in her hometown. Oh. That's going to be her legacy. That's her OB. Yeah. Well, this might cost a little, you know, because it costs a lot of money to carve on that tombstone. I would carve something like it. I'm willing to pay 50%. Uh, not really sure she's here because she damn sure couldn't make it to my movie premiere. I don't know if she's here on the ground right now. You know, whatever. I don't yeah. know. I'll, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I actually, I'm going to, I'm going to, I didn't go to my father's funeral. Right. Um, I'm thinking I won't go to hers. I'll just say, yeah, I've seen it. I, I've been to funerals before. <laughs> it's once you've you seen know? one, you've you know, and tell her now, don't wait. You got to tell her now and mention to everybody <laughs> at the uh, screening. By the way, just to let you all know, no, my mother's not here in case anybody was wondering if it was asking the woman that gave me life support. No, yeah. Uh, could, yeah. couldn't be bothered. Yeah. Couldn't be bothered. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally going to do that. I'd like to thank my mum. Who's <laughs> She couldn't be bothered coming tonight, but... Uh, like to thank her anyway, oh, I guess. Uh, oh my god! Mm. Oh, and if, I'm just going back to the uh, Afghan story. The one thing that you, one of the things that you said last week was, um, and the other reason that the Soviets don't want to invade or whatever proper word you want to use, you know how it's going to get spun in the Western press, and they don't need that that, that headache right now. So, so again, I just mm. all these reasons not to do it, but. I think it's kind of being forced upon them, but but they know they're going to get a shellacking in the Western press if they make one step. Yeah, but nonetheless, in December nineteen seventy nine, Christmas Day, Soviet troops poured into Afghanistan. Now they they started in Kabul, um, and as we said last time, they stormed Amin's palace and killed him. But I want to tell that story in detail yeah. because it's it's kind of fascinating because he did not see it coming. No. Even when it was happening, the most, he didn't believe yeah. it was happening. It reminds me of what we've been talking about in the Cold War show right. about the Korean War when China started pouring into North Korea yeah. and the American uh, commanders nope. 
who were getting reports no. of Chinese prisoners being taken, and, and the Chinese prisoners going, yeah, well, well, I'm part of a massive invasion force that's just come in over the border. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, And no. the American generals are like, no, no. no you're not. No, no shut, shut the fuck up, you're <laughs> lying. No, it didn't happen. Couldn't happen. Right. Never would happen. But, Douglas MacArthur has told us China's not going to come over the border, right. so, hey, that's, I'm sorry, I don't care who you think you are, exactly. but you're not Chinese. Yeah. You're not part well, of if you, if you can't even tell that you're not Chinese, I can't help you. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, how can I take you seriously <laughs> when you don't even know that you're not Chinese? I mean, yeah, come on, seriously. Come on. You're not fooling anybody here. But uh, either naive a take. No, I really do think that Amin was thinking, because I was looking at the other players, I was thinking that he was thinking that the that Moscow had no other choice. It was him or chaos or him or civil war, whatever. Because I'm as as we're going to see, I think he's you know he's he's um, removed everybody else, so it's him or no one else. And so I think he thinks he's secure mm. in that. That was my guess. It's called the it's called the Ray philosophy. <laughs> it's like it's me or you know you know what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Seriously? Yeah, I'm calling your bluff. Yeah, I- yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who else is going to work with you? <laughs> yeah, give me one name. Of a person that will yeah. work with you, and I'll yeah. step down right now. What? Oh, yeah. I didn't yeah. think so. All right, let's get on with the job. Oh, Tony Coniston? <laughs> yeah, that's more of a mercy thing. I think he actually puts it on his taxes as mercy <laughs> talk. Yeah, it's a, it's a charity. <laughs> it's a charity. It's like you literally. do for me? <laughs> yes. Well, there you go, anyway, you know. Who do I? Who's giving Tony charity? That's what I want to know. Oh, it's got to be like God or somebody. I don't know. We'll follow him around and find out. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an atheist, but God will let him into heaven anyway. Oh, he goes, look, yeah. you did a solid for Cameron That's and right. probably lots of other people, so, you know, he'll let you in. <laughs> yeah, we'll forgive the whole atheist thing. Come on. Come on in. Come on in. Come on. Show it's me, fine. Don't worry about show it. Show me how you handle the green, you know, boop, with your little putting game. Or what, I don't know anything about golf. But anyway. Now, yeah. a bit like the Americans in 2001, when the Soviets did go in, um, they thought they could get it over with pretty quickly. Right. Not a month, but six to 12 months. Yeah. Their plan was pretty modest. Let's go in, secure, you know, stabilize the situation right. there, secure the main roads and towns, uh, train up the Afghan army and police, and we'll be out of there in six months to a year. Right. Just in, you know, tactical, boom, boom, right. boom. Stabilize, get out. That was their plan. Yes. Of course, yes. Uh, the Americans were like, fuck no. If we have to fight a war for 10 years, you have to fight yeah. a war for 10 years. Join the club. And yeah. spent, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars right. trying to make sure that uh, the Soviet Union couldn't get out quickly. And, you know, as I said last time, and I think there's a very strong case to make mm-hmm. here. The result of that, the result of the Americans trying to make this operation bigger and longer than it was supposed to be, right. or would have been otherwise, probably resulted in millions of unnecessary deaths. Right. Uh, it would have probably been over relatively quickly. Uh, I mean, we don't really know. But yeah. if the Mujahideen wasn't getting supported by the United States, this probably would have been over quickly. And certainly the Americans thought so because they took credit for it, continue to take credit for yes. it. The Americans are very proud of the fact, the CIA, Pentagon, etc., very proud of the fact yeah. that they gave the Soviet Union its own Vietnam, as they always say. So 
you know, America is quite proud. Yes, yeah, yeah. look, millions of, millions of Afghanis died. Yeah, lost their homes. But honestly, I don't know why they don't like us. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't I put don't my know, finger on uh, it. I don't uh, No, because hmm. yeah, we've forgotten all about yeah, it. I've, I mean, I've uh, forgiven myself, so. Yes. Done. Like, as uh, Rupert Murdoch said to Donald Trump this week, leave the past in the past. Yes, you know, yeah. what's done is done. Let's move on, you know. <laughs> Or Janet Jackson, what have you done for me lately? You know, it's all the same. It's all that was. Yeah, when was the last time yeah. you sh- gave us a nipple slip, right. Janet? Come yeah. on, yeah. that's it's, don't don't be stop selfish. trying to take credit for Timberlake With and your nipple slip. Yeah. That's a yeah. long time ago. Yeah. Now we want more nipple slips, if anything, more. Yeah. So let me ask you this, but again, I I just got to go back to the Soviets for a second, and t- and tell me if I've got this right. There's probably more to it, but. Currently, what's going on in Afghanistan is that Amin is the leader. How he got to the position of power, not exactly legal. Um, he's not religious enough for a lot of the people in the country. And he's a lot like Re, where if, if you're against him, communist or not, there's a good chance you're disappearing before the sun sets, your family's disappearing or whatever. And so he's this cruel, heartless bastard who thinks he's got an ace up his sleeve, which is the Soviet Union, and that they don't have anywhere to go. But there are some fundamental problems in his country that have absolutely nothing to do with the Soviet Union. But obviously, all those problems are going to be exacerbated once an invasion force comes in. But again, how he doesn't see them as a threat and how the and the Soviets are thinking, yeah, we'll get in, we'll get out, how this is going to work. Again, it's like the perfect storm forming and no one can really see what's going on or no one's really expecting the worst that's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, uh, for whatever reason, and as we said last time, um, you know, Taraki, the previous prime minister mm-hmm. um, of Afghanistan had, or president, had um, been to Havana for one of the non-aligned movement conferences, and then he stopped in at Moscow on his way back, and he met with Brezhnev and some of the other leaders in the Politburo, and said, hey. and they basically said, hey, listen, you know, we'll protect you, we've got your back, go there, sort it out with them in. Um, mm-hmm. And when Amin arrested him, right. spoke to Brezhnev, Bre- what do you want me to do with him? Um, Brezhnev said, do whatever you want. And then Amin killed him. Uh, Brezhnev was shocked. Oh, he didn't expect I that. Didn't I also read in one. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the books I read this week said that um, when they had that phone call, Taraki was already dead. <laughs> Amin had him. Executed right. straight away. Yes. He just didn't tell Brezhnev about it until later. Um, he obviously wasn't going to risk Taraki escaping or, or, yeah. or being rescued or whatever. Exactly. But the but um, so the so the Soviet Union ended up finding themselves in a war which took them nine years and fifty two days to extricate themselves from. It took the USA twenty years because. America has to do everything oh, better. bigger, better, baby. Oh, uh, yeah. Only took you 10 years to get out. We're going to take 20 hold, years hold to get beer. out because we're, f- yeah. yeah, fucking America. Now, <laughs> I want to make this point too. Yes. Whilst on the surface, the, these two invasions, the Soviet Union and the America's invasions of Afghanistan, separated by only 12 years, I might add. Mm. So think about the Afghanis oh, for a second. It sucks. They had... They had, yeah, Soviet invasion for 10 years with America stringing it out. Then the Americans themselves come in 12 years later and bomb the fuck out of them for 20 years. Um, You know, they might seem similar on the surface, but really they're anything uh, but. Mm. As we explained in the the first couple of shows, 
and and we explained earlier on, Afghanistan sits on the border of the Soviet Union. Right. Whereas Afghanistan is, uh, is it on the border of the United States? Uh, Not I can't really. As close. Have you expanded that far yet? I mean, I know you're continually right. expanding well, the regime, you, I mean, but you're being flippant. But but there's there's like border, like literally the border of your country, and then there's what my people like to call influence that goes way beyond. Yes. I mean, you you probably call it the military. I call it influence. So is it next to our border? No, but is it within our sphere of, uh, of influence? Yes, because the entire world is. What's your question? Mm. No, no more questions uh, for the panel. Thank you. Now, of course, like, uh, uh, without, yeah, we're not going to try and paint the Soviets as um, naive either. I mean, uh Afghanistan for them represented a threat as well as an opportunity, as it always had been. Yes. You know, this, going right back to, you know, well before uh, the Soviets took over, the Russian Empire, they, like all countries, particularly during that period, part of the great game, mm-hmm. trying to expand their reach, their influence. We know with the Russians' access to warm water ports and all that kind right. of stuff. The Russian Foreign Minister Prince Gorkachev, who uh, died in 1883, said this in December of 18, uh, 1883. Said this Sorry. in December of 1864. Thank you. The position of Russia in Central Asia is that of all civilized states which are brought into contact with half savage nomad populations possessing no fixed social organisation. In such cases, it always happens that the more civilised state is forced, in the interests of the security of its frontiers and its commercial relations, to exercise a certain ascendancy over those whose turbulent and unsettled character makes them undesirable neighbours. He said the... Go ahead. Mm. Go ahead. Sorry. He said the Russian government had to choose between bringing civilization to those suffering under barbarian rule or to just abandon its frontiers to anarchy and bloodshed. Such has been the fate of every country which has found itself in a similar position. Is this, what do you think about Gorkachev's uh, rationale there, right? Is this where his neighbors are supposed to thank him for bringing modern technology in the form of bullets. Um, No, I I find that entire thing laughable because if you've read anything about Peter the Great, uh, who who was obviously the ruler of Russia at one point, he he spent his entire time trying to bring culture in European ways to Russia because it was so ass backwards. And now here's a Russian in the late 1800s going, you know what, when you're a smaller, weaker less developed power and you're near someone like us, yeah, we're going to come in and we're going to, we're going to show you how to do things right, but we're also going to dominate you. That's just the way it is. He's not wrong, but um, again, like the Native Americans, like the Mexicans and anybody else that we've, we've trampled over, they didn't ask for it. But that's what major powers do, because they can. Yeah. Look, I, I, um, I think it's a tough situation. On one hand, uh, this is the justification that was used by colonialist powers forever and still is today to a large extent by modern empires. Well, we're bringing freedom. I mean, you know, these days we don't say we're bringing civilization necessarily, but 
George W. Bush says we're, you know, we're bringing freedom. Yeah. Bringing freedom to the people there. You know, freedom and democracy. We still use the same, right. basically, the same justification. We're bringing, we're, we're, we're helping these people out yes. by killing them. Yes. Don't, like, you got to. Look at the for fans of succession. Look at the you got to break a lot of picture. Yeah, you, you got to break a lot of Gregs to make a Tomlet. Um, uh, and if you're not watching Succession, then seriously, fuck you. Why not? It's the greatest show that's on TV at the moment, and one of the greatest shows of all time. Yeah. Um, but you know, that, but so that justification gets used, and I think it's particularly spurious. When you're invading a country that's a long, long way away from your own country, it's even weaker. Yeah, yeah. When it's on your border, uh, and there is there are actual incursions happening over your border, or risks of incursions mm-hmm. happening over your border, or risks in in the modern day. This wouldn't have been true in 1864, but certainly it's true today that these countries on your border could get access to nuclear weapons, right. or, or even just. Uh, non-nuclear tactical missiles that could take out cities uh, on your side of the border. Eh, it's a different situation there. You have a vested interest in making sure there's a stable, not insane government on your side right. of the border. But it's, you know, it's very flimsy. And, of course, that is, you know, where the United Nations is supposed to play a role yeah. in making sure that I- invasions of neighbouring countries are uh, justified and and agreed to by the international community mm-hmm. as being necessary, not just an opportunistic land grab right. that's justified with freedom and democracy and bringing peace yeah. to the Middle East Other kind phrases, of bullshit yeah. rhetoric, yeah. But if I could add on to what you were just saying, and the other part of that, why Russia has to take this so seriously, because this is, in a very general sense, a messed up region. It's the Middle East. Now, why is it messed up? Because of the Western powers fucking around for a couple of hundred years. But the point is, it's a very volatile, dangerous um uh, region and not I think it was what November of 1979 which is right before the attack starts which is when the American hostages were taken in Iran so it truly is a crazy region to be in and yeah so the Soviets could easily justify going in to try to bring some stability because you don't want this region getting out of hand and doing any kind of domino effect on its own. Now, it took, you know, after Gorkachev's statements, it took the Russians 250 years to actually get to Kabul. They weren't in any hurry. Uh, The British, by the way, like the USA, does not share a border with Afghanistan. They started later and got there earlier. As we said last time, they had basically run the region for 100 years before the Russians came in. But in 1979, despite the early signs of a coming civil war, life was pretty good for Mm. many people in Afghanistan, not for everybody, obviously, still a lot of poverty and that kind of stuff. But women had a lot more rights then than they certainly do now uh, and did after the invasion. Wow. Uh, sorry, after the after the end of the civil war, when the uh, local powers took control, mm-hmm. you know, uh, one woman wrote: even at that time, we still went to school. Women worked as professors and doctors, and in government, we went for picnics and parties, wore jeans and short skirts, and wow. thought we would go to university like my mother did, and we would work for a living. 
Jonathan Steele, a British journalist who was there at the time, wrote, In 1981, Kabul's two campuses thronged with women's students as well as men. Most went around without even a headscarf. Hundreds went off to Soviet universities to study engineering, agronomy and medicine. The banqueting hall of the Kabul Hotel pulsated most nights to the excitement of wedding parties. The markets thrived. Caravans of painted lorries rolled up from Pakistan, bringing Japanese TV sets, video recorders, cameras and music centres. The Russians did nothing to stop this vibrant private enterprise. Yeah. Obviously, uh, Russians uh, uh, not being very happy about private enterprise in their own region, but uh, in in Afghanistan they weren't trying to stop it. Yeah. But the point, like this, is a couple of years after the invasion. But the point here is that uh, under the uh, communist government pre-invasion, mm-hmm. we talked about this before the PDPA, they were very dead set on pushing through reform. Uh, you know, women's rights, mm-hmm. human rights, education. economic reform, yeah. education, healthcare, all that kind of stuff. Education for all classes, right. increasing Land. rates of literacy. And, you know, they tried to push it hard and fast for good reasons because right. their people were suffering and all that kind of stuff. The same reason Lenin and, and Stalin tried to accelerate it in their own countries. And, you know, they, they hit the same sort of hurdles. Yes. Uh, people didn't want to do these things. There were some members of the population that pushed back against reform, mm-hmm. as there always are. Same happens in Western countries these days, right? You try to push, you try and push through same-sex marriage legislation in the West in the last twenty years, yeah. and people are up in arms. Uh, people are fighting back. You've got people marching in people marching in the streets in Australia and Melbourne right now because the Victorian government is trying to pass through legislation, giving it uh, more powers to declare future pandemics so they can handle pandemics faster. Mm. People are marching in the streets calling for the assassination of the Premier. Um, people push back against, even when the government's saying, hey, we want to do a better job of uh, yeah. saving lives no. next time. People are like, fuck yeah. you. <laughs> it's my freedom. Anyway, yeah. Anyway... Um, where were we? Oh, fuck. I had a long debate on LinkedIn with uh, an old, old, old friend of mine. Right. Uh, just in this last week, <coughs> I saw him posting some really dodgy COVID conspiracy bullshit on oh, LinkedIn God. and I called him on it. Yes. And he did the classic, um, you know, anti-vaxxer strategy of disseminating, trying to pivot the conversation. Well, tell me about Uttar Pradesh, eh? Or what about this doctor? And that, all the stuff that we talked about on our shows, I was like, dude, none of that shit's going to work with me. Like, answer the fucking question. Where did you, what's the source for that chart? Um, And he just went on and on, obfuscating, pivoting, trying to change the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I end up going. Hey, listen, no, I don't use that term. I, that's a, that's a dirty word for me. Oh, but sorry. changing changing the subject, like not yes. answering the fucking question, I end up going and attacking me and attacking my sources and ad hominems against me. I end up saying, "All right, obviously this is going nowhere. You you, you have an open invitation to come on the bullshit filter, and we can talk about your theories mm-hmm. and the sources behind your theories." Yeah, but it's just classic, man. And this is a guy that I've respected for twenty years, been a friend of mine. Um, I actually hired him last year to do some work on QAV, some SEO and advertising work, Mm -hmm. his firm. Just these smart dumbs, man, they're everywhere. These people, former business partner of mine is one of these guys now. You know, people that I have for 20 years have thought were really smart guys have turned out to be complete fucking morons when it comes to 
COVID conspiracy theories can't wouldn't be able to think themselves out of a wet paper Correct. bag. It's uh, yes. it's it's uh, like horrifying and shocking to me. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. So, point is that this communist government, for all their uh, flaws, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not talking about the Soviets. I'm talking about the Afghan government, right. PDPA. You know, we're, we're we're making a lot of progress, pushing through a lot of reforms. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, obviously, the the fundamentalist uh, Muslims yes. uh, uh, did not like you know this kind of uh, rapid progress, and so as we talked about in the last couple of episodes, yeah. they're pushing back in a big way. But it's important to keep that in mind. That's what they were fighting for. The you know the communist government in Afghanistan and the Soviets who were supporting them were pushing for human rights reform, better education, more rights for women, all that kind of stuff. Was the local government uh, heavy-handed about pushing this through? Yes, yes, they were. But as we talked about in the Cold War show with Stalin, et cetera, what are are your choices? Like if you're facing starvation and famine or invasion because you've got a backwards population that's illiterate, you know, religious fundamentalists stuck in the ninth century, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Yeah. Um, what do you do? Like, ha- ha- what are your choices? You either take them by the hand and push them through this gap right. into the uh, uh, new world, or you just continue to stagnate and get further and further behind, and then get invaded or suffer famines or whatever it is. Right. It's a it's a really tough situation. I, I don't know what the answer to that is, but uh, I think it's important to understand. You know, or, or to, just to remind people mm-hmm. about what the, what the civil war was being fought over, right? Which was uh, anti-reform, basically. Yeah. It was counter-revolutionary stuff. But but you're right because these people are suffering in a lot of ways. And you and remember, at one point, the Communist Party was split between two factions. One wanted to rush it through because the that leader had grown up poor, and the other one wanted to take this time. And his father had been a general. But you can't take twenty or twenty five years to fix a problem because during all that time, you people are going to suffer, and you are going to lose a generation of people if you take twenty five years to try to. Uh, bring in new institutions or approve them or get rid of corruption or, or educate your people. These things take time on their own. So get it going as fast as you can. And you're right. Uh, there was some people, there was an element, a conservative element in the country that didn't want anything to do with that. And a, and a man is like, I'm going to do whatever I have to shove this down your throat, and which also included murder and making people disappear. And so, yeah, there's a lot of people who were against him and that's who he's fighting against. Now, the Soviet force that crossed the borders in December consisted of about 80,000 soldiers. And it was, you know, as I said before, it had sort of limited objectives. So it was referred to as the Limited Contingent of Soviet Forces in Afghanistan. I feel better. Or Oxva. Yeah, I feel better. If you take the Russian version of that, which I will not try and pronounce, uh, the abbreviation for that was Oxva. Yeah. Just in his real quick, mm-hmm. that's like me wanting to date your daughter and say, "Hey, sir, I'd just like to take your daughter out." My name is Ray, but everybody calls me just the tip. Uh, I'd really love to take your daughter. I mean, you know, it's the same thing. You can't come in and go, "Well, I'm going to do it," but I'm going to give it a really good title. Mm-hmm. So don't. I'm not sure about that analogy because I've seen your pol- your penis fully erect, and honestly, no, so, I could only see right. the tip. No, see, I mean, there, there wasn't. You're falling for the classic, classic Ray trap. Does my penis consist mostly of just a tip? 
Yeah, but the point is, if I just put the tip in, but it's the whole penis, who wins? Huh? Who wins? Well, certainly not her either way. Uh, she's like, <laughs> I don't want are you in yet? Are you in yet? Are you in yet? Am I in yet? I'm over here smoking like, a cigarette. Yeah, bitch, <sighs> I finished five minutes ago. What are you talking about? <laughs> I thought you fell asleep. Anyway, that's enough about my penis. Let's, let's go on with this. In his directive to his commanders, Dmitry Ustinov, right. uh, distantly related to Sir Peter Ustinov, <laughs> British actor. I'm not joking. No, he is. I didn't know that. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, the 71-year-old Minister of Defence, as he was, right. justified the action as follows. Oh, in view of the political and military situation in the Middle East, the latest appeal by the government of Afghanistan has been considered positively. It has been decided to introduce a few contingents of Soviet forces deployed in the southern regions of the country on the territory of the Democratic Republic of Afghanistan in order to provide international help to the friendly Afghan people and also to create favourable conditions for the prevention of possible anti-Afghan actions on part of the neighbouring states. Ah. Ray just got up and walked away while I was saying that, so he didn't hear any of it. Uh, what were I, you doing there? Just quick pee break, was, Ray, or what? <laughs> No. Oh, oh, by the way, and when you see me do this, that's my pee break. I just sit here in the chair. No, no, I had to tell the family to shut up because one of us in this family is working and the other ones aren't. So I just, I just, so basically it's just a, we're just going to go in there. It's a little small thing. It's a little rift. We're going to fix it and we're going to get out. That's a beautiful message. And that's their job. But here's another point, yes. and this gets forgotten uh, a lot yeah. in um, Western telling of this story, right. is they were invited. Yes. And that's not bullshit. They were, they you were know, begged. as we said. Both sides were begged. begging them to come in. Yes. Sorry, go ahead. Going way back to March of that year, yes. it took them nine months to finally go in. Um, they had been asked by successive presidents, Taraki and now Amin, for support. Right. And as we'll see, when they came in, Amin was wrapped. He was happy. Oh, Couldn't ecstatic. be more excited yeah. about the fact that they were there. He yeah. was So, you know, when the Americans uh, uh, talk about, oh, the Soviets invaded Afghanistan, blah de blah blah they were invited by the government of the day to go in and provide support. Right. Now... The, the the invasion started on the night of the 24th of December uh, when Soviet aircraft landed practically nonstop at Kabul and Bagram airports, right. carrying soldiers of the 103rd Guards Air Assault Division and the 345th Guards Independent Parachute Assault Regiment. Mm. They love a long, love a long name for their divisions. Um, 7,700 men, 900 items of military equipment, over 1,000 tonnes of supplies flown into Kabul over the next 48 hours. Um, unfortunately, one aircraft carrying 37 paratroopers crashed into a mountain and exploded as it was approaching Kabul airport. So not a good start to right. uh, the operations yeah. when you lose an entire plane load of paratroopers. Well, that was one of the concerns of the military because first they were saying, you want to bring in how many people, 30, 40,000? Fuck no, I need a couple hundred thousand. So you're right, it gets raised up to 80,000. That's coming over the border and then there's people coming over the planes. But as anybody who's in the military can tell you, when you start moving people around, whether it's truck, tank, plane, helicopter, accidents are going to happen. My brother 
literally was um, Don, who's in the army. He was about to fly to uh, northern New York from one base to the other. There were three helicopters. There's not enough room. He gets out of the helicopter and he goes to another helicopter. And as they're as they're up and flying, the helicopter that he was in, you know, something happens. It crashes. Everybody on board dies. I mean, this little things like this happen all the time. And so. For the one he was in first the one, or the one he was in the second? The one he got out of is the one who that ended right. up crashing. So it scared the shit Fuck. out of all of us. So, but, the, but the point is this happens and and the war hasn't even started yet. And there are is that one of your brothers, did you say? I have, yeah, Don. Don, the middle brother. You have, you have brothers? I have two brothers. Well, okay, if you want to get into it and we won't get into it. I have two full-blooded brothers. And then n- full-blooded Indian brothers, <laughs> Cherokee. They're just as Indian as I am. However much Indian that is, fucking asshole. Uh, and then I have a half brother because somebody in my family decided to be unfaithful. Um, but that's a whole nother story. Uh, He's not. No, but the point uh, is, accidents uh, in the military happen all the time, and they're normally pretty dangerous. Go ahead, let me hear. It. Uh, you got something? Uh, so, uh, I'm still the favorite. What, somebody, right. somebody in your family somebody. decided to be unfaithful. You're not gonna, well, I don't think if it was you, it would lead to a half brother unless you were fucking your mother, which, you know, knowing where you come from wouldn't be totally surprising. So are you saying that your brother Don is? I'm one fourth <laughs> Cherokee. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Don, yeah. Jeff, yeah. and myself. How come we haven't had them on the show? Oh, um, well, Don's in upper, literally 11 miles from the um, Canadian border. There's a big military fort up in northern New York. I'm blanking right now. He's up there. And Jeff, I don't know. Jeff only lives 20 minutes away now. He is in charge of the s- computer system for the power company, so... I got to be nice to him. I can't talk shit about Jeff because he'll hear about this and I'll lose my power. I'll lose my internet. I I, I don't need that. So uh, they're both That's very funny, powerful. Off air, you were telling me that Jeff is mentally retarded. <laughs> so I uh, and uh, pedophile. So I don't. I don't know. I think you should just be honest with what right. you think about. Well, it. now that you put out yeah. there, it's been it's been a pleasure working with you. Do they listen? No. Do they listen I to any no, of our shows? No your idea. shows, World War Two. No. no. My wife doesn't listen. Just like you know. Yeah, well, you know that, no. That's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or to the podcast. <laughs> um, I wet myself. <laughs> anyway, you're not wrong. The soldiers, yes. the Soviet soldiers were told that they were going to support the ordinary Afghan people against a counter-revolution. Yes. And that they had to get there before the Americans did. Sounds good. Although they were told that the mission was going to be mostly peaceful, uh, one battalion was told by its political officer that they would go through Afghanistan with fire and sword. And the battalion commander added, if a single shot is fired at you, you should open up with everything you have got. Does that sound like peacekeeping to you? I don't know. I'm not an expert. Um, It's, you know, it's it's like tough love. It's tough peace. (laughs) You know, okay. I did. We come in peace, yeah. shoot to kill, yeah. basically. Right. You know? He'll never mm. not be happy because he's dead. So yeah, no. But so, mm. this is getting. This is getting. He rough. will be. Yeah. That's permanent peace, really. Permanent peace. Okay. So yeah, permanent eternal peace. slumber. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, there we go. Operation 
eternal slumber. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, right. as we've said, Amin, the president of Afghanistan, uh, thought the Russians were coming to his aid He's on excited. the 20th of December. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. On the 20th of December, he moved from the Arg, the presidential palace in the center of Kabul, to the Tajbek Palace. Right which was very heavily fortified yes. and not because he thought the Russians were coming, uh, but because you know he was trying to protect himself against the Islamic fundamentalists, exactly. the Mujahideen. Yeah. Now, some of the specialists from the KGB who were advising Amin right. about his security arrangements were stationed inside the palace with him. But that's good. Right? They're protecting him. Good for, good for the Soviets, yeah. Their names were <laughs> Kolesnik and uh, Kalbaev. Um, I point that out because they will play an ongoing role in this story. Gotcha. They were given the job of helping the Afghan security forces protect the palace from the Mujahideen. Yes. Can I On the 23rd of December, yes. I, I apologize. No, I just want to emphasize, because this is going to come in later. I don't know if it's on this episode or the next episode. But when Cam says that this modern-day fort uh, had everything, it did super thick walls, two thousand, at least 2,500 men in the perimeter. It's got all the securities. It's got communication. It's got fence. And so it's not just a shack or whatever. This is a major installation that is meant to be defended and to be fought and to be bombed and yet to survive. So, if yeah, this this is a big, big deal because if the Russians can't get anybody inside, they would have a hard time getting access to a men. But like you just said, some of the KB, KGB specialists who are there to protect them are already inside. Mm. Now, when you say modern, yeah, well, uh, you know, yeah, no, I'm talking about the uh, well, the uh, the Tajbeg Palace. No, not not the actual palace itself. I'm talking about the various defensive systems. They had super thick walls. They had uh, artillery. They had machine guns. They had tanks. You know, it's not going to be a push up. Yes, that's what I meant. Yes. How old is the palace? Well. Well, it had been built in the 1920s yeah. for the Afghan royal family. Um, there was a palace nearby that had been built hundreds of years earlier, mm. but this was sort of the new palace. Right. Um, yeah, it looks pretty good today. It's pretty like basically looks like one of Tony's houses, really. Um, <laughs> it's uh, not in not in great repair. It's right. still got a lot of uh, damage okay. from uh, you know various. Uh, Wars over the last 40 years. Yes. Um, but, yeah, like impressive building, it though, is. would have been at the time. Yes. Um, now, the 23rd of December, Kolesnik and Kalbayev, the KGB guys there, went to the Russian embassy to explain their plan oh, good. for defending the palace from the Mujahideen right. to two of the Soviet generals that had just turned up, General Magometov mm-hmm. and General Ivanov, Ivanov. Right. Ivanov is like, yep, 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 great plan, great plan. Love it, love it. Um, just one one slight uh right. one slight tweak right. to the plan. Opportunity. Um rather yeah. Right. Well, sure. Um here's what we want you to think about. Right. Just spitballing here, blue sky, run it up the flagpole, take the temperature. Uh, <laughs> instead of defending the palace, right. which is a great idea, don't get me wrong, that's a great idea. Right. Instead, what we want you to do is seize the palace by force. 
Um, uh, hear me out. Okay. He- hear me out. Okay. I know that it's not. No, no. No, listen. Oh. No, that's <clears throat> that's not the complete opposite of, of of what you were talking about. It's not really. It's 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 just. We, we we prefer to think of it like internally in in, in the boardrooms, right? You know, in the email threads, we we, we refer to it as a, it's a pivot. Oh, don't think of it as oh, a one eighty degree. No, pivot. it's not. It's no. Listen to me. Listen yeah. to me. Don't fucking say we're always doing this to you. That's not. That's not professional. This is a. It's a. It's a. It's a slight right. slight upgrade. Talk. Think about of it as an extent. It's a, it's a stretch goal. It's a stretch goal. Right. It's a it's a slight pivot, slight amendment. Um, what you're defending it now? Think of it this way: you're still defending it. Sure. You're just defending it from the <laughs> government who's in there. What? Is, is, see, you see where you see you I, see how it makes it makes you know, sense. it's a refocus. Don't be, you're being glass half empty. Right, I'm glass no. half full. And I apologize. You're defending. You're still defending it. Don't get no. me wrong. Still defending it, from just from else. different different guys. Yeah. Yeah, are you with me? Are we on yeah, board? Can we yeah, yeah, can we come yeah, together on this? Yeah, no, and can I say I don't know who gave you this job, but they got the right fucking perfect uh, person to oh, make it make sense. Yeah, so yeah, I just want to. Thank I have you. complete faith. You know, complete faith in, in you. <laughs> <laughs> now, before the shooting starts, I am going to go far, far away. <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> just a, I just want to be those guys in the room, like. Uh, <clears throat> all right, they come in. They've got this big fucking stack of papers. Right. They've done. spent they've spent like a month planning this thing. We're done. Here's our defensive plans, yes. blueprints. Nothing. They've got it through. in triplicate. Everything's right. you know fucking carbon copy. Yeah. Well, they didn't have PowerPoint in 1979, but it was slides. Slide. They had slides done up. Ne- next slide, please. They they wheeled in a fucking suitcase full of oh, supporting documentation, you know, slide deck, slide you. like a little fucking what was that slide deck that uh, Don Draper did in the first oh, episode the, of Mad Men? Lazy Q, Susie Q. Yeah, what did he call it? It's called the. It's called the. It's like a ride that you go on. Oh, the Ferris carousel. Carousel. There we go. It's not the projector mat. It's the carousel. Okay. Okay. Same thing, but okay. Yeah, Barry and Stan gave him that one. Um, so, yeah, fuck. So Imagine these guys. Yeah, yeah, these guys are like, right, so what you're saying is... <laughs> I should have like, Yeah, Tough, tough yeah. fucking job for those guys. So I guess <laughs> I the need-to-know circle is slowly expanding as we're getting closer and closer and closer to the day of actually jump the jumping-off point. Because, yeah, you got to yeah. tell these guys what they're doing. Yeah. Well, there were there were several like Soviet generals uh, in Kabul who weren't told what was going down because right. it was really a need to know only basis. Including two anyway, doctors. so yeah, yeah, yeah. For the next three days, the Russian troops uh, that are surrounding the palace, protecting the palace from the mujahideen, right, are uh, getting busy doing a lot of stuff, and uh, oh. they're, you know they're, they're trying around. to make it look. Casual, like yeah. they're doing standard training exercises. It's trying to look Russian casual, as we call it. <laughs> uh, the, the Afghani guys, the Muslim Russian battalion, casual. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're like, hey, um, yeah. Uh, what are you doing? Uh, why, why are you pointing the cannons towards the building? Aren't you supposed <laughs> to be pointing the, the tanks yeah. away from much the building? More, and the Russians effective. are like, <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, my good friend, my good friend, you do not understand the Russian way of doing things. In Mother Russia, when we defend uh, buildings, we always point the tank at them in case, like, uh, what if, uh, what if, let me say, let me, let me spitball this for you. What if, uh, what if uh, Mujahideen uh, take over Take over uh, uh, palace. Uh, oh. uh, we uh, we have to turn tank around. No Can good having to turn tank around. We just mm. fire tank. It's already there. We yeah. you know we you know like Julius Caesar had Plan A, Plan B, Plan C. <laughs> v and Russia also have Plan A, Plan. This is Plan C. If everything yeah. else goes to to shit, uh, <laughs> at least we have <laughs> tanks pointing. And the Afghan, the Muslim battalion, are like, oh, okay, makes, when you put it, it that way, yeah. it makes I'd sense. Like thank you yeah. for explaining that to me so I could understand <laughs> yeah. it. You have a good yeah. day, sir. Here's some vodka. Yeah. You know. You've heard of mansplaining. <laughs> this is Russian-splaining. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's good. Copy mug. Copy yeah, mug. Pretty, that's yeah. going to be the title of the episode. <laughs> Yeah. So so they're on one hand they're really busy trying to get ready for the attack, but on the other hand they're trying not to be too obvious. So they're just saying it's maneuvers. We're practicing defending in case you need us. So it's getting convoluted real quickly. Yeah. On the twenty sixth of December, the officers of the Muslim battalion invited their colleagues to the presidential oh. guard for a party. Parties? Is this a dinner yeah. in my honor? Because that's yes. what it kind of sounds like. Yeah. Well, it's actually in our honor. It's okay. Oh, relax. Okay. It's in our it's honor. Like- <laughs> yeah. Uh, the cooks right. pre- prepared the food. The KGB right. He's having a stroke. Provided the vodka. I've been drinking too much vodka this morning to get into vodka. character, to, so I could do my Russian vodka. Vodka. Yeah, Look at the I'm vodka. Making it up. Yeah. I don't know. Cognac, the caviar, other delicacies. Fifteen Afghan officers attended, including Major Jan Dad, nice who name. was the commander of the Presidential Guard. Remember that right. name, Jan Dad. Jan Dad. Uh, and Lieutenant Rutsi. He was the guy who had murdered Taraki on Amin's orders, or on the right. orders of Jandad actually coming down from Amin. Yes. Um, there were lots of toasts, as you get at these things, particularly when the Soviets are involved. They're toasting Soviet-Afghan friendship. Right. The, the Soviet waiters, though, were very careful to serve the Afghans huge portions of vodka, but only water to the Russians. Oh, Brilliant. Just get him shit-faced before the fighting even starts. Nice. Lieutenant Rutsi got so drunk that he apparently told one of the Russians that Taraki had been suffocated on Amin's orders. Jandad heard him say that, had him taken away, telling the Russians that he was drunk and talking rubbish. Yeah. And the night went on without him. Yeah. Uh, but one of the reasons that the Russians haven't taken the palace yet is they don't really have any plans for the palace. They don't know where the rooms are. They don't know the who's where. Yes. Yeah, what's going yeah. on. Yeah. So they've got to figure that out. Um, now, they've got a couple of KGB guys in there, so, you know, they, they should be able to uh, get information from them, right. which is what they do. So... The next day, uh, the KGB advisor to Amin's personal guard, a guy called Yuri Kutupov, mm-hmm. went around with Kolesnik and Kalbaev around the building 
um, oh. and sketched out the lay of the building with the help of a guy called Drozdov. Right. So they they basically sketching a blueprint, and people are like, uh, uh, "Hello, can I help you? What are you doing?" <laughs> no, I'm just. Oh, I'm listen, b- bad memory. I got to write this. I'm down. just a big. Well, I'm a big fan of of 1920s architecture. <laughs> so uh, you know, Soviet <laughs> slash. Afghan Huge architecture. Fan. This really yeah, masterpiece. Yeah. I have to say, I love the the use of the uh, brutalism here, <laughs> uh, the unrefined concrete. Uh, you know, you've got a few columns there. They they uh, are they uh, Doric uh, columns, Doric, or are they? Uh, no, well, no, no, they're not Doric. They're um, fuck. What's the flashy column? Costco. There? What's the oh. Um. <laughs> Oh shit! I'm looking right at him. I'm looking right at him. Dork. Oh, fuck. God, we did all of this on the Renaissance yes. show, man, and I can't remember. And I anyway, worked. At, I worked at Monticello, and they rammed that stuff down our fucking throat. And I. Oh really? Anyway, so Ionic? they managed to sketch Ionic. Doric. Yeah, Doric is Boric. It's the basic one, boring. Right. Ionic is the middle one, and the top one begins with a C. Fuck. Uh, we're never. Oh, hey! By the way, yes, um, we've got a new listener to the Renaissance show. Oh, nice! Um, and she is a Vatican tour guide in Rome. Get out! So of she, here. I'm organising her for to come on and you know talk to us about yes. the Vatican art collection on the Renaissance show coming up soon. Ask her why do the guides make you stand out in the hot sun for an hour? Uh, I already but, told her the guide we had in 2018 was yeah. the worst. If I, yeah, if I ever see him again, and I don't remember, but I will punch him. I, I, I don't know what he looks like. I'll probably end up punching somebody else. Someone Just any tour guide in yeah. Rome, yeah. Yeah. Um, so they managed to sketch out a plan of this. Now, yes. uh, the Russians asked Jan Dad, the commander of the Royal uh, the, the fucking the, the Presidential Guard, yeah. if his KGB advisors could take that evening off to attend a birthday party for one of the Soviet officers, and he agreed. Of course. Which saved their lives. Otherwise, they would have been in the middle of the shooting. So they gathered their commanders together for a briefing on the second floor of the barracks where the Muslim battalion was based. Mm -hmm. They told them then that Amin had betrayed the April Revolution. Thousands of innocent people had been killed on his orders. He was working with the CIA, and therefore their job was to eliminate the president of Afghanistan. And I think that's where we'll leave this episode, and we'll pick it up next time where we will talk about the fact that before this, mm-hmm. in the weeks preceding all of this, they had actually tried to poison Armin. <laughs> On a number of occasions. Didn't take. Uh, didn't take, but we, lo- we love a good poison story. And uh, the Soviets love a good poisoning, as we know. The Russians love a good poison. Where's Nero? So um, yeah. we'll get yeah. to that yeah. next time.